Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Fusion, Tools for Our God-Centered Life. And I am so excited that this reaches beyond just the uh, youth in our congregation, that we all get to be youth today. There it is. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot planned for today. Um, if, you know, everyone who has been to Fusion before, you'll know what's going to happen. We're going to start with a game. It's going to be a really great game, I heard. Uh, then we're going to go through some junior high and senior high youth announcements. Uh, we're going to hear our message from the lovely Will Horn. Uh, and then we're going to have a response to the message and a listening prayer. So let's give Jesse and Matt a warm welcome for our game. Yeah. start with the announcements because everyone needs to know what's happening at Gateway Youth. So, um, Tonight we have uh, Senior High and Young Adult Worship, and that's going to be from 7 to 9 at Rathgar. And on the upcoming Friday, we have Junior High Cluster Cell, but contrary to common belief, it is not here. It's actually at the south. So if you don't know where that is, you can just ask any of the young leaders or Will or any other leader, and they will help you with that. Um, next week, Sunday, we have um, a Senior High Cell, and that's from 6 to 8 at the Todd's House, 23 Lukanowski Place. Also, we have a thing called the Young Leaders Program, which we are part of and all the other youth you've seen who talked this morning. And if you want to know anything about that, you can ask any of the youth leaders, and they can help you with that. And just by doing this, we're helping out during youth and doing things like we're doing right now. And something is coming up that we're all really excited for. Um, Consume 2017. So um, this year it's going to be called One Voice. Um, It has a missional focus. It's for um, anybody going into grade 7 and leaving grade 12 in between there. Um, It's from July 5th to 9th, and it's going to be in Thunder Bay. And more details will be coming. That's it for announcements. Thank you very much. All right. So we're here to uh, introduce, we're very excited to introduce, Pastor Will Horner. He's going to be giving the message today. Uh, He's got something not just for the youth, but for all of us here. Yeah, so (laughs) this is part of our uh, 40 days of purpose, and so it's going to be a little great message on discipleship if you guys are following along in your home groups, and I'm going to just pray if that's all right with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give Will the way to speak that you would ever want to be receptive to, 
that his message would be your message for your people and that we would be able to, you would enable us to learn and to act what Will has to say and what you are teaching us. Amen. All right, before Will comes up here, we're going to uh, have a video played so we can have the lights off and roll the tape. I'm going to be a bubble master. <laughs> it's my passion to be to be singing on a stage. I'll probably buy Jupiter. I want to be a teacher, a fireman, a vet. I could be the firewoman vet. Oh wow! I'm gonna be a spaceship engineer. Nice. Time goes fast. How did I ever get to be this age? It's like you go to sleep and you're 25, <laughs> and you wake up and you're 70. My babies are now 71 and 67. <laughs> Time flies by. Pay close attention. Yeah, somebody said, I have no idea. I'm sure, <clears throat> I'm sure that's true. I've heard that it's true. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to tell you a quick story. When I was somewhere between around this age, I know, and somewhere between this age and this age, really cute, I know, I know. And the little one, too, is even cuter. Um, somewhere between those two ages, probably around 10 years old, a dream started to form in my heart. And actually, I'm living out that dream at this very minute. On the way to church, I took my cassette Walkman. <laughs> Who knows what a cassette Walkman is? Come on. Come on. And I, in the car, I clipped that pack to my belt. And I took those black headphones and I shoved them up my shirt and I popped them out the buttons and hooked them on there. And for the next 15 minutes on the way to church, I preached all the way through Genesis to Revelation. And I got out of the car and I remember thinking to myself, I could do that. I could do what those guys do. I got the microphone. I've got the shirt. I'm set to go. And my dream was established and today... I'm living out my dream, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. You know, what a big question. What are you aiming for? What are you looking for? What are you hoping for in your life? The question we've been asking is, what on earth am I here for? Why has God got me here? It's a broad question about our existence, and it's a focused question about our daily lives, right? What on earth am I here for? We've heard that we're here because... He's called us by name. We're called to worship him. We're called to bless others. We're called to express the gifts he's given us. We're called to share the life of Jesus with God's family. And I'm super excited today to speak about another piece of our purpose. And that piece is that we are called to become. We're called to become something. You're called to become something. You're called to become something. A millionaire, you, you, you question me. I don't know, don't come to me. A rock star, I don't know, 
an astronaut, I don't know. You know, those purposes around our vocation or what we spend our time doing, they're really important to our life, but they're not actually who we're called to be. They don't define us. They're not our identity. Amen? We might receive those things in life, but I want to look today at who we're called to become. And so let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want to read from the New Living Translation. It's going to come up on the screen, and we're going to read it out loud together. Are you ready? No, not quite. Are you ready? Good, here we go. I'm going to count three. We're going to start. One, two, three. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God causes everything to work together. Everything in our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly. He uses it all to bring about his great and glorious purpose. Your good days, your bad days. Your bad hair days. Come on. Gary's saying that because he knows I've had quite a few bad hair days. I think that must be it. God uses it all to bring about his purpose. And young people, God has a purpose for your life. You've heard it a million times, I know. You hear it nearly every week in church. But here's what I'm saying to you young people. We often look out there for our future purpose. What's God going to call me to, the big thing? Who's he going to call me to? Who am I going to marry? What's my life going to look like? But look at what this verse says. God is currently and actively working in your everyday life to bring about his purpose. Look for Jesus at work in your life, young people. He's leading you today. I spent a lot of my life comparing myself to others. Thinking that I wasn't good enough and thinking if I only looked like, if I only sounded like, if I only walked like, if I only talked like them or this one or the other one. But my purpose and my identity is not found in other people. It's found in God. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God's purpose and your good are not separate things. God's purpose is your good, and your good is is God's purpose. Often we spend our time looking for all the good things in life. Put put your hand up if you ever feel like, I don't want to miss out on stuff. Anyone feel like that? I don't want to miss out on stuff. You know, you can spend your time for hours watching people's lives on Instagram and Snapchat, And it's so easy to think, if only I was like, if only my life was, I want to become like that or I want to do this. I'm not really interested in what God has to offer, but this is what God's saying. God works everything in your life for his purpose, which is good for you. In fact, it's the best for you. Young people pursue Jesus because nothing else is worth it. Amen? So God's purpose 
is our good. But what is that purpose? Let's read on in verse 29. Let's put that on the screen. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Church, we are called to become like Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to become. And the Bible's full of this idea. Philippians 2, Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. Have the perspective of Jesus. Become like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, be imitators of me as I'm imitator as I'm an imitator of Christ, Ephesians 5 tells us, be imitators of God, love Jesus as he lo- um, love as Jesus loved. 1 John 2 verse 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way. And Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4 said to his first disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and be like me. We're called to become like Jesus. Right in that moment when Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, Jesus was literally fishing for men and saying, I'm going to tell you and teach you and show you how to do exactly the same thing. Jesus made disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. That's why we're here today. And Jesus calls disciples to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. Every single young person who's up here today is the fruit of that theology. It's a real thing. People making disciples who make disciples. God's been working so powerfully in our youth ministry church because of his awesome power and grace. At the beginning of this summer, we had eight leaders after the previous year, having around 17, and I was praying and saying, Jesus, what do you want to do for youth ministry this year? And my main prayer was, God, whatever we do, just let it work. Please, just let it work. Lord, I'm not perfect. I can't make it happen. Just let it work. And then five minutes later, I found myself praying this. And Jesus, by June, give us 30 leaders. I'm sorry, Lord, can I just retract that one? Um, I didn't mean to pray that. He said, no, you didn't, Will, but I did. Oh. On Friday night, we had our community of leaders while all the youth had family night in their homes and hung with their families. And in our home, we had our core leaders and then our young leaders came and joined us. In September, we started a young leaders program, which is what all of these students are functioning in and being discipled in. And a bunch of my core leaders were away. I only had five of them there, five of around 10 of us. And then through the door at 7.30 p.m., bouldering through the door came 13 young leaders, smashing through the door, not literally, almost literally. Um, And there was a bunch missing. God's building this culture of discipleship of people who disciple others, who disciple others, who disciple others. We're around 20 to 25 people on our team because of what Jesus is doing. Come on. 
We're called to become like Jesus Christ. But we're not only called to become like Jesus Christ, we were created to become like Jesus Christ. This is actually a really important idea because the idea of becoming like Jesus didn't start in the New Testament. It started right at the beginning of mankind. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. We were created in his likeness by God, like God, for God, in his image. Young people and church, God has called us to become like his image, but the world is telling us, become like this, become like this, become like this. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. But Jesus says, no, follow me, because in Colossians 1, 15, I'm going to turn to it. Are you all ready for that? Can you handle that? Okay, it's not on the screen, though. Sorry. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, talking about Jesus. Brace yourself. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He takes it right back to creation. Jesus is the image of Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The firstborn of all creation. You were created to become like Jesus. And I think the first trait of becoming like Jesus is this. Romans 8, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. One of God's first purposes in making us like his son is that we become a child of God. We become a son and a daughter of God. That's the first thing. And why is that so important? Why is it so important? Why am I telling you that today? This is why, church, because God's first purpose for you is not functional. God's first purpose for you is positional. The first thing that God calls you to is not to do something. The first thing that God calls you to is to be something. In fact, the first thing that God does is he calls you something. He calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's why Jesus died on the cross, because he took away the curse of our separation. And then God adopted us into his family. Oh man, this is, this is really, really powerful. So how do we become like Jesus? This is the big question. What's God's design for discipleship? Jesus called disciples to himself, said, follow me. That was all about getting behind and learning to be like your teacher. Jesus says, come follow me, be my disciple. So let's look back at Romans 8, 28, because I think there's two main traits of God's design for discipleship. And I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to discuss this verse around this question. 
What does it tell you about God's role in discipleship? Romans 8, 28. What does this tell you about God's role in discipleship? You've got 30 seconds to discuss. Make sure each of you gets a turn. Three, two, one, go. Okay, I, I want to invite a few people just to throw their hands in the air to give us some feedback, to give us some feedback back about the um, question I've just asked you. Okay, who, who would like to just throw some things out about what's God's role in discipleship based on this verse? Anyone? Yes. It's his idea. Oh, that was, a, that was interesting. That's a really good one. Yeah, Dave? What he starts, he finishes. Come on, that's awesome. Anyone else? It's him that's going to do it. Totally, yes. It's a call. Totally, God says, I'm calling you to do this. Anyone else? Yes. Wow. That's so interesting. I've never seen it like that before. That's so cool. God uses everything because he's so committed to it. Anyone else? Yes. He has a purpose for all of us. Amen. Every single one of us. It's true. You know what? This is what really struck me about this verse. About our discipleship. How do we become like Jesus? The first part is that God has a part to play in our discipleship. And this is really important. It sounds really simple, but let's just have a whoop for simple. Good. Simple is good. There's no way that we can become like Christ on our own. It all starts with God's grace. This is really important for discipleship because it's the foundation Right over in Philippians 2, where Paul encouraged the Christians to have the same mind as Christ, to become like him, he tells of this great partnership between God and between us in our discipleship to become more like Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13 says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ready? For it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the gospel for Christians. This is the gospel for Christians. Why? Because we think that we have to work out our f salvation with fear and trembling full stop. 
But God says the only reason why you can do that is because I'm working in you. Notice that God starts with himself. He called us to become like Jesus. But so often we start with ourselves. We think that we have to become something in order to be called by him. We think that we have to become good enough to be called his son. We think that we have to be smart enough to be used by him. We think that we have to become like Jesus before God calls us his son like Jesus. But you know what, church? That's not the truth. God first called us his children so that we could become like Jesus. Amen? So important. We can't become to be called. We're called to become. It all starts with the gospel. But the second part of this partnership is that we have a part in discipleship. Jesus is the one we follow, the image we bear, and God's promise that he will work in us to will, to want, and to act out his purpose to become more like Jesus. But we have to realize that discipleship happens through people. Imagine if Jesus didn't come to earth and become a person and didn't ask people to follow him and become his disciples. Do you think St. Peter and St. John would be saying, Jesus is discipling me in my heart. He's forming my character. He's dealing with my attitudes. He's shaping me to become more like Jesus. Would that have happened? No, let's get down to earth people, which is what Jesus did. He came down to earth. He became a person to make people disciples, who make people disciples, who make people disciples. Jesus is a people person. Jesus uses people. It's true in my life. Discipleship has shaped who I am. I'm a product of discipleship. I would not be here today without discipleship in my life. I would be lost. I'd be gone. I'd be finished. I'd be trapped if it wasn't for the investment of other people in my life. It started as a teenager. I started to join cell groups. And, and be discipled by those leaders. And before that even began, that was all on a foundation of my parents' discipleship in my life. They taught me to love God and to love people, to pursue him, to trust him, to step out in faith. Discipleship through people. And in those cell groups, I, I, I had a place to share the things in my heart, the secrets that even my parents didn't know. Discipleship through people. I joined an internship after school and began to get shaped in my character and in my attitudes, discipleship through people. I began to serve in the youth ministry at age 15, serving and working and growing in my gifts and using who God had created to me, me to be, discipleship through people, the confession of my sin and walking in the light and receiving his forgiveness, discipleship through people. 
God's grace is the foundation, but he uses people as his means in his vehicle. Jesus started his ministry like that. Come, follow me. I'm going to make you someone who makes other disciples. And he finished his ministry like that. Let's read this. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, right at the end of Jesus' life, Jesus on earth, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did Jesus say, stand back, boys. I'm going to go and make some disciples. He said, do what I've done with you. Be who I am to the world. You are called to be like Jesus. You were created to be like Jesus. So it's clear God's goal for us is to become like his son. God's means of discipleship are his grace and the gospel. And he works that out through people shaping people. So I want you to just take 30 seconds and I want you to think about one person who's made an impact in your life to make you more like Jesus. In fact, I want you just to close your eyes for a minute and just picture one person who's made an impact on your life to make you more like Jesus, shaped you, challenged you, called you deeper. Picture that person. Now imagine if that person had not been placed in your life. Imagine if they didn't answer the call to take you for coffee or to take you for breakfast or to love you unconditionally or to listen to your tough things. Imagine. Church, God uses people to disciple other people. Maybe you want to finish this time of reflection by just thanking Jesus for that person. A parent, a youth pastor, a pastor, a friend, a colleague. Disciples making disciples. Thank you, Jesus, for the investment in my life. I would not be here if it wasn't for Ron McLean. And I'm sad he's not here today because I want to honor him. Thank you. I want to honor Ron today. Ron, be, because you lead humbly. <clears throat> because You're committed to discipleship and making sacrificial investments into the life of young people and older people, whoever God brings in your path, Ron. You're generous, you're intentional, and you have made a difference 
in my life. And I will never be what I was before ever again. Thank you. God uses people to make disciples of people who make disciples of people. In Timothy, Paul writes and encourages Timothy in discipling people. And he says something to the effect of, Paul, I've discipled you. So go and teach others what I've taught you. Who can teach others what I've taught you? Four generations of disciples in one sentence. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's why I'm passionate in youth ministry to make disciples and develop leaders. We have to invest in people and young people. I want to encourage you. Get this when you're young. Get this when you're young. Receive the investment of fathers and mothers. Look for it. Ask for it. Honor your parents, young people. Receive their counsel. Receive their love for you. And young people look to disciple young people younger than you. Do it. (laughs) Be it. Because that's who Jesus has made you to be. It's all by his grace. It's all by his mercy. But young people don't miss out on this because this is who Jesus was. Get it when you're young. So I just want to mention to finish off three things that I think are really important in discipleship. Part of my aim in this message is that we would leave today as people who are committed to receive discipleship and people who are committed to give discipleship to other people. Imagine if every person in this room invested in one person that you're not already investing in and taught them to invest into someone else. Man, this people's lives will be changed and people's lives are being changed. Gateway, I want to honor you today. We're a people of discipleship. We're a people committed to going deeper with Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that. First mark of discipleship. You ready? Humble yourself. Humble yourself under others. Jesus said this. He lived this. Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Notice that Jesus, the greatest leader in the world, was also the greatest follower in the world. Did Jesus do it all on his own? Who was he listening to? Who was he following? Who was he obeying? His father. The reason why 
businessmen all over the world soak up this stuff about Jesus' character and the way he led is because he was the greatest leader in the world. He has more followers today and he's dead, the world would say. He's not here anymore. The truth is he's alive and active and making a difference in his world. He's bringing about his purpose in every circumstance. Jesus humbled himself under his father. James repeats it. He says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under other people. There's been so many times where I've sat in a discipleship meeting and I've said, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, this is going on and I'm, yeah, and this, I'm really disappointed. I'm really annoyed at this person and oh my goodness, you should just say, meh, 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 meh. And my pastor would be sitting, we'd be in the car and I'd be saying this stuff and he'd be going, yeah, okay, very good, Will. Yeah, very good. Okay, yeah, okay. Can I just point something out? Attitude, boom! <laughs> and I'd be like, boom! Jesus, I need you, yes. Let your attitude be changed. Let your perspective be changed. Humble yourself under someone else. Confess your sin, repent, be honest, be real, tell the truth, that's where freedom is. I tell our leaders and our young people all the time, confession isn't a bad thing. Confession is probably one of the best things that Jesus has ever given us. Because it's the place of freedom. Humble yourself under other people. Number two, surrender your life. When I got to the end of grade 12, the equivalent in England, you know, can I be honest with you? Can I? Okay. Not that I haven't been, you know. <laughs> but you know, there's that like line where it's like, I want to get really vulnerable. That's the line I'm talking about. I got to the end of grade 12, and honestly, I was like, I'm kind of done with my home church. I'm kind of done with the building. I'm kind of done with the people. I'm kind of done with salt and light. Because I want to fly to India and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and preach the gospel. I want to spread my wings and fly. I'm kind of done with this mediocre Christianity thing. And there's nobody here who could really disciple me anyway. And oh man, I was so arrogant. <laughs> Attitude! <laughs> yeah, totally. And I sat down with my pastor in his office and I told him all this stuff. I was like, you know what? Yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I love you, but I don't think you could really make an investment in my life because you're not really like me. So, yeah. Of course, it was kind of fluffed up a bit with a bit of icing sugar and stuff, but that was the attitude under the surface. And he said, okay, well, two options. Number one, you can spread your wings and fly off to India and see what God does through you. And we'll send you. We'll bless you. Or number two, you can stay here and I will clip your wings. And I will dig your feet into the ground. And we will shape your attitude and your character. And we will bring out the Jesus calling in your life. And we'll deal with your punctuality because it's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 
attitude. Anyway, I was like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. So I spent the next two weeks praying and talking with my parents. And in two weeks time, I was signed up for the internship program at TVC Church in Teesside, England, Salt and Light, Apostolic Campus in the Northeast. I was not going to India. I was staying. My wings were about to get clipped. I spent the next three years having the ground dug up in my life. Because you know what? God wants to build my life up for his glory. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 floors so that he can use me like a massive big building in cities all over the world. God has big purpose for my life and it's the same for you, but I won't achieve that unless he digs the foundation 10, 20, 30, 40, 60, 100, 200 times deep in my life. And that's what those three years were all about. Me being shaped and discipled by men older than me who I thought weren't good enough to do it. God is. God plants these people in your life, people. Because Jesus is a people person. God uses people to disciple other people. The issue when I was 18 years old, sat in that pastor's office was this, am I really going to surrender my life to Jesus or am I going to do it my way? That was the issue. Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Young people, I think there's some of us in the room today who are sitting here holding on to our lives for dear life. Adults, parents, I think there's some of us in this room today who are holding on to our lives for dear life, hoping that we can make something of it. But this is Jesus' message today, trust me. Lay your life down for my sake and I will give you life. Surrender your life. It's what a disciple looks like. And number three, obey Jesus. That's what discipleship is, becoming like Jesus who obeyed his father every step of the way. Look how he went aside to the mountain and prayed. It'd be interesting to actually know the makeup of the hours or schedule of Jesus' life. How many hours did he spend praying with the father? How many hours did he spend healing people? How, many, how much time, how did he use the time that he was given? I think if you looked in his mind, there was a lot of his time that was spent on the Father. What are you doing? Okay, I'll do it. He's kneeling in Gethsemane. And who's he talking to but the Father? At the end of the day, he says, Father, I'll obey you. This is what I want, but I want to obey you. That's why listening prayer and obedience is so important. That's why we do it, church, because it actually puts us in relationship with Jesus. Because discipleship, listen to this, discipleship is not religion under a person. It's relationship with a person. 
I think maybe some of us in the room have had bad experiences of shepherding or discipling or telling me what to do. But let me reach out to you and say, we're not disciples of Paul or Apollos or Will or Ron or Peter. We're disciples of Jesus. But he uses people to disciple you and me. Amen? One of the disciples in the youth ministry, he was, came to the end of school and was struggling to get motivated and find a job. Awesome guy. And we went walking in this back field just talking and we started talking about listening, praying, talking to Jesus and hearing from him. And he was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do that or what that means. And anyway, by the end of a couple of hours, we prayed and heard Jesus and he heard the word um, of a uh, retail store. And he'd already applied for 15 jobs or something and hadn't got anything. And he took that and he thought, oh, I hadn't thought of that retail store. So he printed off his CV, took it there. He's now worked there for over a year and a half. And he's worked in nearly every single department of that store. He's now leading other people in that store. His confidence has grown. His ability to interact with other people. This young man is a man of God and he's pursuing Jesus and God is going to use him for his glory. Listening prayer is so important because you don't follow the person that is discipling you. You follow Jesus. We push people into Jesus. We help them to hear him. You were called to become like Jesus. You were created to become like Jesus. Firstly, to know that you're a daughter or a son of the living God. And how do we do that? We need the gospel today, right now. That's God's part. It's his promise to us. But our part is to go and make disciples in his power by humbling ourselves and surrendering our lives and being obedient to Jesus. Young people, I want us to get this. I want us to live this. Do you know what's happening today? I'm going to finish with this. This isn't the nice little presentation from the Youth Ministry Sunday. Uh-uh. This is a message today. This whole thing, all these young people, this is a message today to the world, to the church, to heaven, to hell. There are young people in this world who desire to follow Jesus, pursue him, become disciples like Jesus, and make disciples like Jesus. That's why we exist. That's what this is. Can you hear the message today? Can you see it in action today? Don't miss this call for discipleship for young people, for adults, for all. We were called and created to become like Jesus. I want to invite Rebecca and Stephen to come back up on the stage. They're going to lead us in a short listening prayer to ask Jesus how he wants us to respond to this. And we're going to do this in twos or threes or fours, whatever you feel comfortable doing. And I just want to invite us to not just hear a nice message, but to actually respond to Jesus in our hearts today. Amen? Amen. Rebecca, Stephen, go for it.
So we have two questions. They'll be back on the board. Um, and the first one is, Lord, how do you want me to become more like Jesus? Um, what always comes to mind is that old saying, you know, what would Jesus do? And so if there's something specific, um, just ask God about that. And the second question is, Lord, how do you want me to participate in discipleship? We are all called to be disciples. So in which way is God particularly calling you? Yeah, so get into groups of twos and threes, and we're going to just go through these questions. Uh, so I'm just going to open up in prayer. Lord, quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, Lord. Help us open up our ears to, to listen to you and to, to hear what you want to say to us through these questions and through the message, Lord. Lord, just help us humble ourselves to, to hear from you and to be able to throw away all of the distractions of the world and just focus on you, Lord, this moment. In your name, amen. Get to it. <laughs> 